All right, we get back to our series on spiritual formation, the various means or tools that God has given us to draw us to Christ, perhaps for the first time in our lives, or for already in Christ to form us more deeply into the likeness of Christ. So we pick up at that again, and we're going to be looking at something that John just prayed about, where I think he used the term, if I'm not mistaken, something that is uh, relatively foreign to us. I'll broach that in the beginning of um, the sermon, and that is the, um, the spiritual discipline of fasting, of fasting. Jesus teaches us about fasting in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to the first book of the Bible, uh, or the New Testament, I should say, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read just verses 16 through 18. You also see that in uh, the, the passage in the overhead above you. Now, Matthew chapter 6 is right in the middle of what is commonly known as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which lays out how we are to live our lives as citizens, not of the world, but of the kingdom of God. So the Sermon on the Mount in your Bibles consists of Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7. So we're in chapter 6 right here. I'm going to draw attention now to verse 16, 17, 18, where Jesus says, And when you fast... Notice he doesn't say, if you fast, when you do. There's the understanding that this is simply a part of our lives, or at least it should be. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Now, you get a sense that as we're reading that, there's a little bit of a, a background to that, where when Jesus is talking about fasting, He says, don't put on a gloomy face like the hypocrites. Well, it raises the question, who are these hypocrites, and why would He say these words in connection with fasting, and so on. So, we'll get to that um, in just um, a moment. I want to begin with something this morning that you may find somewhat interesting, and I am assuming that either just a few of us or none of us at all really understand or ever heard, and that is this, that in the Bible, fasting is actually mentioned more times than baptism. There are 75 references to baptism in the Bible, 77 to fasting. Now, if you think about that, that would, I think, assume that if the Bible mentions it that often, that obviously we are engaged in the spiritual discipline of fasting. But let me ask you this. When was the last time you fasted? I didn't ask you when was the last time you read your Bible. I didn't ask you when was the last time you prayed. But when was the last time you fasted? You know, I, I, I think a lot of us with fasting, we kind of view it like persecution. We don't experience it, and we hope we never have to, right? It's like fasting, fasting. And kids, you may be wondering, what, 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 what is fasting anyway? You know, what, fa what is fasting when you say, so-and-so, they, they fasted this past week. Well, you know, I'm not going to tell you, not right now. I will in just a moment, so keep listening, okay? One other thing 
and that is this. It's very easy, you know, for ministers to get up in front of congregations and talk about things and say, to bring out something in the Bible and then kind of draw us into the past so we properly understand it and then hopefully apply it to our lives, you know. And Yet I wonder how many ministers actually fast. I think you would be shocked if I said to you, you know, I, I, know, I'm, I know I'm your pastor, but uh, quite honestly, I, I don't read my Bible very often. Or, I know I'm your pastor, but honestly, I just, I, I don't pray. I think a lot of you would be wondering, well, what are you doing in the pastorate? Honestly. But if I would confess to you this morning that, you know, here the Bible speaks so often about fasting, but I really, I just don't fast. And maybe some of you are thinking, well, you're so thin, you look like you fast all the time. I don't know. But I, no, I don't. I don't. I pray for you all. I pray for Abbotsford. I, I, I pray that I may I grow in an understanding of the Scriptures. I think we pray like this. Hopefully we do. But I think we're all in the same boat when it comes to the spiritual discipline of fasting. And we need to come to grips with it. And, and one other quick thing, and then we're going to get right into the passage. And, and that is this. Um, here we go through this whole series on, on, on spiritual disciplines. We've been covering all these various means of spiritual discipline and formation in our lives since October. And we've covered a number of areas. But ask yourself the question, if Pastor Grotenheis never did, in the midst of this whole series since October on spiritual formation, if he never mentioned fasting, would, that kind, would, the, would, would the lights go on and say, hey, wait a minute, he didn't focus on a really important part of our formation? Probably not. So this is the wonderful thing about preaching, this is the wonderful thing about scriptures, and particularly this morning, the teachings of Jesus. It kind of brings to our attention sometimes things that we need to think about that we don't oftentimes do. Jesus, verse 16, when you fast. Again, he didn't say if you fast, but when you fast. And you know what's really interesting, and you're not going to see this unless you have your Bibles with you, so I'm just going to make it very, very clear that at this portion in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he's actually talking about spiritual formation. He's talking about the spiritual disciplines. And what he does with fasting is he lumps it together with prayer and giving. So in chapter 6, verse 2, Jesus says, when you give to the needy. He didn't say, if you give to the needy, when you give to the needy. And then he also mentions prayer, verse 5, and when you pray. He doesn't say, if you pray, when you pray. And then he uses the same language that he does with fasting. When you fast, not if, but when. You see how he lumps them together? So, if I would ask you, when's the last time that you gave for the sake of the needy or the ministry or some aspect of the kingdom, you can very easily say, oh, I don't know, five minutes ago in our worship service. And many of you give online, or many of you give to kingdom causes outside of this church. That's great. So we give. Check that one off. Do you pray? When's the last time you prayed? And you go, I don't know, five minutes ago in our worship service. And I also individually pray. Hopefully we all pray. We are praying people. But would that we would be able to say, alongside our giving and praying, you know, when was the last time you fasted? And you say, oh, just this past week or just in the past month. 
Likely not the case. You see how there's an imbalance? Wonderful thing about the teaching of Jesus is he's always presenting the balanced Christian life. The balanced life we should live as citizens of the kingdom of God. Now, when you, when you take a look at when Jesus mentions fasting here, Jesus is not really talking here, and the Bible's emphasis really is not on the physical benefits of fasting. And if you do a little kind of wiki search, and Google search on, on uh, uh, fasting, and you put in physical benefits of fasting, you're going to get a number of them that may be rather interesting. Like, when, when, you, when you fast, actually your blood pressure goes down. When, when you fast, hypertension goes down. When you fast, um, actually it, it uh, decreases the level of aging that you experience. Your blood sugars go down. I mean, there's all kinds of physical benefits of fasting, but that's not the focus of Jesus here this morning. It's on the spiritual benefits of fasting. All right, what is fasting? Kids, what comes to mind when you think of fasting? Fasting, I'll keep it really simple. Fasting is where you voluntarily abstain. That means you step away from or you move, remove yourself from actually eating or eating and drinking. Now, we need water, right? We, 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 we need, it's not good to go a long time without water. So when people are talking about fasting, most of the time they're talking about certain foods or food altogether. And when you look at the Bible, it presents different periods for fasting. So sometimes you read about a one-day fast, or one-night fast, or a three-day fast, or a seven-day fast, a 14-day fast. There are even what we call 40-day fasts. You can even, you go to Christian bookstores, you read about the 40-day fast, right? And, and uh, Moses fasted 40 days, 40 nights. You have Elijah fasted 40 days. Jesus fasted 40 days. So remember when Jesus started his public ministry when he was about 30 years old, before he officially entered into the public ministry, we read in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke 4 that the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, and that's where Jesus, if you remember, was tempted. There was a threefold temptation, just like Adam in the Garden of Eden. And we read that Jesus, during that time, to fortify himself, was fasting, and he fasted for 40 days. Now, if you read about that, and I don't want to take time, it's just, we, we have to get to other material here, but when, when you experience a 40-day fast, there, there comes a point in the midst of the fast, and I forget which day it is, where you actually don't even, where, where the hunger that you once had is dissipated. And once you get around the 40-day fast mark, it's that where the body, at time that the body begins to break down and the muscles begin to break down. And I find it very interesting that it's right at the 40-day mark, that's when the devil came to Jesus, at his weakest of moments. Boy, don't we know that. The devil doesn't come to you when you're strong, when you're weak. That's a whole other sermon. But 40 days, long time. What's the purpose of a fast for however long you do it? The purpose of a fast is to, and this is why we talk about in terms of spiritual formation, the purpose of a fast is to draw you into deeper communion with God, to form your character, and to empower you for a form of service that you have not been giving to God. It's kind of this, this pit stop, sometimes an extended pit stop in your life where you kind of go to the second level of spirituality and you say, I'm going to go through this period of self-denial 
for the sake of not only my body, but my soul. Now, when you take a look at the Scriptures, you see that, that fasting was done really for a number of different reasons. Sometimes fasting was done to show a sorrow for sin. So, there are many times in the Old Testament, for instance, when God's people turn their backs on God, and God says to His prophets, proclaim a solemn fast. Call my people to repentance, but call them to fasting, which is a way of humbling themselves before God and recognizing their sin so that they can return to God. Sometimes fasting was done to soften a heart of pride. Sometimes fasting was done to enhance times of prayer. Hopefully we all pray to a certain extent. Have you ever combined fasting with prayer? In the Old Testament times, and especially, well, even New Testament times, we'll look at an example of that a little bit later. You ever notice in the Bible that there are times, and it's not unusual, it's not infrequent, where there's, there's the combining, the combining of prayer and fasting. Sometimes fasting was done to overcome a crisis or change a situation. Think of the book of Esther where God's people were facing annihilation because of that wicked man, Haman. And as they were facing annihilation, a fast was called among the people of God to concentrate their energies together, to come humbly before God as a sign of the desperate need they had before God. Sometimes fasting was done to seek God's direction. And sometimes fasting was done to, and in light of the series, to forge a closer relationship with God. So there's a number of reasons why the Bible encourages fasting. But I want to get back to the passage. And as we look at the passage, I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't spell out the what of fasting here, as much as the how and also the why of fasting. So Jesus didn't say, okay, when you fast, and here's what I mean by fast, and then he lays out you know, what we need to do during a fast. You don't read about that, but he gets to the how and the why of fasting. So for instance, take a look at verse 16. Jesus says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. What's Jesus getting at there? He's talking about the kind of fasting that we should not engage in. External, hypocritical fasting. Who is he referring here to? Pharisees. If you grow up in Christian circles, you've heard about the Pharisees, and it's usually not a lot of good that's said about the, the Pharisees. If you're here this morning, you really don't know who the Pharisees were. They were religious conservatives during the days of Jesus. Jesus would have run-ins with them all the time. And these religious, uh, or these, uh, these religious conservatives known as the Pharisees were known for their, their piety and kind of their external approach to the faith. They, were, they, were, they, they honestly, they, they were concerned that God's people with them turned back to God and turned back to the law of God and a life that, that was obedient and faithful but there was a lot of external, externality to their religion. They were, they were what we know as the religious folk. And they were very concerned about what people thought about them. And they had this religious exterior. So when they would fast, 
Oh, they would, they would, and, and also, by the way, when you look at this part of Jesus' Sermon on Mount, when they would pray, and also when they would give, but also when they would fast, Jesus mentions every time how they would do that in order to be seen by others. Oh, look at them. Look at his face. Look how pious he is. Oh, he, he must be fasting. Oh, look at him pray. Well, look how much he gives. You don't have to be all that spiritually sensitive to know that that's probably not the kind of religiosity that God appreciates. Of course, that's another sermon on itself, how you and I also may give indications of religious spirituality. But the real question for us this morning, what's going on in the inside? And so it was with the Pharisees. And Jesus said to those who were listening to him, he says, I don't want this kind of empty and hypocritical form of fasting. I want a genuine form of fasting that comes from here, that comes from the heart. That's why he says in verse 18, or verse 17, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. In other words, like we would say today, when you get up, women just, you know, wash up, Put on the makeup. Don't look any different than you do any other day. Same thing with men. When you wake up, comb your hair. Don't, don't put on this gloomy face. Don't, don't make it look like you're pale in the face or you're just looking awful so that people go, oh, what? oh I noticed this. You know, and with the Pharisees, it was the gloomy face that people might think that they are fasting. Don't look any different. And when you fast, says Jesus, that's between you and your God. Now, sometimes in the Bible, you have corporate fastings, but here Jesus is talking about individual fastings. Jesus, when you fast, don't let anybody else know about it. Do it in secret. And if you do that, how does he end the passage? He says, and if you do that, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What are some rewards you think that Jesus is talking about here? Because he doesn't lay it out. What's a reward or rewards of fasting? Well, maybe the reward of a closer walk with God. It may be the reward of a deeper experience of Him. It could be the reward of answered prayer. Either on behalf of yourself or others. Why do I say that one of the rewards that comes from the Heavenly Father through fasting is answered prayer? The reason why I say this is because when you put it in context, notice the very thing that Jesus speaks about in this passage before He speaks about fasting. You know what it is? Have your Bible, take a look. You'll see beginning in verse 5, he talks about prayer. And then in verse 7, he begins by laying out the simple model prayer of the Lord's Prayer. And you notice the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, right? We know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, petition 1, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day your daily bread, and so on. These are what we call petitions of the Lord's Prayer. So in the Lord's Prayer, we make these important requests um, to God. Lord, what I'm asking you to do is that you would help me to hallow your name. That That is, to treat your name respectfully and a holy manner, both in terms of what I say, but also what I do. Another petition, thy kingdom come. That is, Lord, as part of the petition, Lord, Continue to deepen your rule and, and, and your work in my life through your word and through your spirit. 
Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Lord, continue to supply what I need. You know, so we, 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 we could go on and on. But we lay out these petitions before God, but even then, after we lay out the petitions, what we do is we put up roadblocks. We put up hurdles. Either because of our sin or because we're resisting the Spirit or as the Bible says, we're grieving the Spirit. We just kind of do this. We put up walls so that the petitions then are not enacted and grown in our lives. Fasting is a way of recognizing that and saying, you know what? I need to return to God in a special manner and I need Him to help dissipate these hurdles and these walls of resistance in my life in order that the petitions, the fundamental petitions of the Lord's Prayer might have their way with me. This is why one, I say one of the rewards from the Father for fasting is answered prayer. But I also want to mention something that you may not be thinking about, and that is this. The reward of our Heavenly Father may be a much-coveted breakthrough, either on behalf of ourselves or others. How many of us are facing situations in our lives right now that, are facing rather, that, that seem rather dark and hopeless? How many of us right now are, are struggling with a particular sin in our lives that, that's just really kind of keeping us from the kind of deep communion that we could have with the Lord? And we've been struggling with this, and we've been praying about this for maybe months, maybe even years. It's one of those kind of besetting sins that we all deal with, but they're different sins in our lives. How many of us know of individuals, not ourselves now, but those who we know who are caught up in some kind of lifestyle or some kind of struggle in their lives? It may be a sin struggle or some other struggle, and... And there needs to be a breakthrough in their lives in order that, that light might once again enter into their lives. Or how many of us are facing a certain financial situation right now where we're living on dimes and nickels, we feel? I get that sometimes. I remember what it was like to be in college or in seminary where you're living off of dimes and nickels. You're like, where, where am I going to be able to pay this? How am I going to be able to pay this next bill? And am I going to be financially destitute? Will I ever be able to get out of this hole? Or finally, how many of us have received a, a, a medical diagnosis where quite frankly, we don't know if we're going to be around a year from now or two years from now. And I would ask you, well, do you, do you think about it? Yeah, I think about it. I think about it all the time. Do you pray about it? Yeah, I pray about it all the time. Do, 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 you, do you talk to others about it? You know, you get a bit of encouragement. Yeah, I do. I do. I've talked to a few others about it. Not a lot of people, but I have some. Have you ever fasted about it? No. See, there are times in our lives, sometimes what I call emergency situations, and we see these situations in the Bible. I just mentioned the book of Esther in that regard where God's people are facing annihilation. Sometimes there are situations in our lives or lives of others where we need to take it to the next step and do something that we've never done before, and that is fast. And you don't have to go into a 40-day fast. It could be a one-day fast. You say, you know what? Starting at 8 this morning, make it a 12-day fast, or a 12-hour 12, 12 fast. 
starting at 8 in the morning, and I'm going to end at 8 at night. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to just drink water, but I'm going to abstain from food during that period of time. And I'm going to quiet myself before God, and I'm going to trust that he sees me in secret, and he's going to bless that. Ever considered fasting? Let me give you one example, and then I want to start drawing to a close regarding this. There's a pressing situation during the ministry of Jesus. And some of you may know this story, maybe some of you don't. But kids, I want you to listen up because this involves a young boy, okay? There was this young boy who had a demon. The demon was an evil spirit. And in the Bible, evil spirits are very strong, and they are real. And when you, when you, when you examine the scriptures, and this is another sermon that would be rather interesting, but when you, when you examine demonology in the Bible, you see that there's a high, just as there's a hierarchy among good angels, there is a hierarchy of evil angels. That is, there's different levels of authority and power. And this was a particular demon that was afflicting this boy very severely. And so what that demon would do is he would work in that boy and try to throw that boy into a fire to burn him and throw that boy at other times into water in order to drown him. And this was the kind of demon that made the boy mute. By mute, that means that boy couldn't speak. So when that demon would afflict him, he couldn't even cry out to his dad. And that demon would, would, would just do terrible things to that boy. And this, this, this father was his only boy, and this, this father was desperate. that He didn't know what to do with this boy. And so at one point we read, the disciples themselves, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, tried to cast this demon out, but he was so strong that they couldn't do it. Then Jesus comes along, and this man cries out to Jesus, and he asks Jesus to heal this boy. So Jesus carves out time, and he deals with the demon in this boy. You know the demon is strong, because when the Jesus commanded that demon to come out, he doesn't go, boop, he's out, and he goes his way. No, the, the demon caused a lot of pain in this boy, and the, the, bo- the boy would grow on the ground, and he would grind himself in the ground, and he'd roll around the ground, and he'd, he'd foam at the mouth, and all this kind of thing. But of course, there is no demon, no matter how powerful, can thwart the power of Jesus. The demon eventually comes out, and after all this happens, after a bit of quiet time afterwards, the disciples, they come to Jesus, and they, they say to Jesus, why couldn't, why couldn't we cast this demon out? And Jesus says, this particular type of demon only comes out by prayer and fasting. I think there's an object lesson here for us, and that is this. We all face situations in our own lives, and we all face situations in the lives of others. Maybe you can think of them right now. Maybe it's a son, maybe it's a daughter, maybe it's a grandson or granddaughter. Maybe it's a friend that you know. Maybe it's a cousin or what have you. But there are people who are in need, or maybe you're in need, where you're in a particular deep, deep situation that may require you to fast. And and one other thing, and you'll discuss this, so I'll give you a heads up. You're going to discuss this during your care groups on which this sermon is based. If the leadership here said at one point, let's say it's the consistory or the council, said, you know what, Um, we are facing a situation in our congregation right now or in our city or in our nation where we are asking us all to fast for one day, I wonder what our initial reaction would be. Would we go, 
That's probably something that charismatic or Pentecostal churches do. Maybe. But if we're a church of the Scripture and we take Jesus' words at face value, maybe we'd have a different reaction. The leadership would say, we are fasting, we want you to fast as well, just for one day. Would we be willing to do that? Talk about that in your care groups. And maybe the kind of situations that we might face together that would require collective, not just individual, but collective fasting. As we draw to close, I want you to think about this um, quote from a man named Dan Ellender. He said this, fasting is it's kind of interesting how he puts this. Fasting is the bulimic act of ridding ourselves of our fullness so that our senses may be attuned to the mysteries that swirl in and around us and sets the stage for God to appear. There are things that don't come to our mind and there's sensitivities to the soul that we do not experience on a day-by-day basis. Maybe even in the midst of prayer that we may experience if we fast. It's one of the reasons why Jesus gives us fasting. May we think about this. May it occasion a good discussion during our care groups. And may we remember Jesus' words were Jesus's words where he said Not if you fast, but when you do. Okay, Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we draw near to you this morning, and we think again of all those tools that you have given us for our own formation, but also said that we, through utilizing these tools, might be a blessing to others. Father, we pray in light of this one tool that we often don't think about, and oftentimes do not practice, that is fasting. We pray, O Lord, that this sermon itself would occasion a bit of introspection on our parts and would occasion some good discussion during our care groups and that we would think about not only the importance of, well, giving and prayer, but also fasting. After all, you lay it out in the Bible quite frequently. So God, grant us that, we pray. Help us to lay aside custom. Help us to lay aside tradition. Help us to lay aside, perhaps, bad habits that we have formed in our life. Maybe even habits of neglect that would keep us from taking seriously the very words of the Scripture and the teaching of Jesus himself. So God, grant that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.